0: So as you head back to your seats, let me just let you know this morning we've got a very special treat. I was gonna say a visiting speaker, but he's not really visiting because he's definitely family and needs no introduction. As we were kind of praying last year about some of the things that the Lord would kind of have us share about and you know, the the things that were on his agenda for us as a people this year. Had a conversation with Martin that really just sparked something. And I I sensed from the Lord, I said, yes, we need to get Martin to come and teach on this particular topic, something that I've seen in his life that I admire. So I'd really like, I mean, we've prayed for him before already, but I'd really like us to pay attention because I do feel like the Lord has something for us as a church. And I'm hopeful and prayerful something for us personally as well as he brings the word to us this morning. So can we welcome him, cheer him, love on him? And
1: get ready to hear what he has. Whoa. Well, good morning. Hello. Look, Mum, no hands. How about that? Yeah. We'll see how we go. Last, can you hear that all right? Uh, last week we were in Young, ministering in Young, and they had a little lapel mic that you could barely see, and it was, uh, it was very effective. So we'll see how we go with this one. Let's pray. Let's pray. Who's ready this ready? morning? Yeah. In a prayer as David did, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Or being translated, Lord, may what I say and what we think be pleasing to you this morning. In your precious name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, you know what I'm going to be speaking on this morning, do you or not? You didn't say that. Well, I have uh, the awesome privilege uh, and uh, I'm excited this morning to speak to you about the area of finance. If you don't like the word finance, we could use money. If you don't like money, well, I'm going to talk about both of those this morning. And uh, before you switch off and think, well, here we go again, let me encourage you to stay focused because there will be a short test at the end. Uh, Seriously, though, this is one of my uh, favourite topics on which to speak, because I've found uh, great freedom in this area since the Lord opened my eyes to what His Word said. This April, we'll see uh, 12th of April, we'll see me um, uh, having walked with the Lord for 50 years. I have to raise the bat. You raise the bat for a half century. And although I'm not 50, I'm a little older than that, I've been in church all my life, it was the 12th of April 1970 that I gave my life to the Lord. But you know, for 19 years of those 50, I never heard one message on tithing, I never heard one message on giving, I never heard one message on finance, economics, money or any of those dollar sign type topics. Until I was 31... And then I had some really solid teaching in that area and it opened up a whole world of freedom that had been kept from me and us, um, not maliciously, but in error. And I know, because I've been on the planet a long time, I know some of the excesses in in teaching in this area. Believe me, I've sat under most of us in various places at various times. But I also know that when we react to error, we often create another error. And in churches, all over the place, we we almost apologise for speaking on this topic because of the abuses of others. And if you hear any manipulation or uh, arm-twisting, you won't hear it this morning, But if you're sitting in a church somewhere and you hear that sort of thing, well, avoid it at all costs because it's not what the Bible says. So I was genuinely, genuinely excited when Andrew uh, approached me late last year. And I've been working on this message ever since. In little ways, because the Holy Spirit will just whisper something to you and you jot it down. And I've had pages and pages of notes that I've hopefully got down to something this morning that's worthwhile. So why am I so excited? Well, simply because it's one of the most misunderstood and poorly taught facets of the kingdom. So much so, as I've already said, that many churches just don't go there. It's a taboo subject. But then they wonder why they have insufficient resources to do the work to which they believe they're called. And I grew up in a church where second hand was good enough, uh, this will really age me, but the old Roneo machines yeah. that you used to run off, the Gestetna machines that you used to run off all your song sheets. And, yeah, you don't have any idea. <laughs> and I won't go into it. But it was state-of-the-art technology and you'd turn a handle and these sheets would fly out with all in the ink, you'd have ink all over you and it was a big mess. But the church would often reuse the things, ad nauseum, until your song sheets just looked like hieroglyphics, because they were overlaid with 45 previous song sheets. You'd recycle the tea bags and send them off to the missionaries in China, and you'd have international roast, uh, which is just... Anyway, we better not go there. But they wondered why they had insufficient resources to do the work to which they're called. But to me, that's insanity. To keep doing something the same way and expect a different result, they say that's insanity. So when, when uh, Andrew asked me, I was just so excited as you're probably gathering. <laughs> so this morning, I want to do some teaching, share some personal experience and stories with you and encourage you, all of us, in this vital area of kingdom life. And hopefully I'll have us out of here sometime just before afternoon tea. <laughs> if honest to do this justice, To do this justice, we would need more than one week. And that was offered to me, but I thought, let's just give it one week. So I'm going to give it my best shot. So the faster you listen, the quicker we'll be through. I grew up in a home of saving for a rainy day. One of my mum's pet expressions was, you've got to save for a rainy day. You know, if you save for a rainy day, you'll sooner or later get one. Maybe we should be saving for a rainy day. But church life, really, let's bring it back, Martin. Let's bring it back. Church life was more about a poverty mindset. Near enough's good enough. You know, we'll just we'll just get by. Well, Jesus wasn't a near enough's good enough saviour. He didn't. Go, I was sharing with our team yesterday, not on finance, but I was sharing with our team yesterday. He didn't go to the cross and say, "Well, I did the best I could. It's nearly finished, but I'm out of here." Did he? He gave it all. And he didn't leave any stone unturned until all the work that the Father had given him to do was complete. He's not a a near enough, good enough sort of saviour. So I don't think we should have a near enough, good enough approach to our finance and our giving. Or we should maybe change the song to Nearly all to Jesus, I'll surrender Nearly all to him I'll freely give Proverbs 11.24 says, There is one who scatters and yet increases more, but there's one who withholds more than is right, and it leads to poverty. So in a group this size, it's safe to assume that some of you, like I was at 31, don't put your hand up if you're 31, may never have had any teaching on this area and on this profoundly important subject. So here goes. It may surprise you to learn that the Bible speaks about money, wealth and possessions in more than 2,300 verses. 2,300 verses. And Jesus spoke on money around 15% of his preaching and in 11 of the 39 parables that we read in the Gospels. Not because he was obsessed with it, but because he wanted to teach his followers about the freedom that is found when we get the kingdom thing right. You've heard me say it probably many times because it's sort of a pet saying, if you want Kingdom results, you've got to do it the Kingdom way. This is one of those areas. He also taught it was clearly a matter of the heart. Matthew 6.21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, Hitting the pause button, they prayed for me out the back this morning for courage and boldness, and I think that was very appropriate. So right at the start, money, our attitude to money, if you like, and giving reveals our heart. One writer put it this way, whether we hoard money or are envious of another's wealth or use money not our own, that's called debt, then there's a good chance we have been seduced by it and it reveals our spiritual condition. Jesus said, did he not, you can't serve God and mammon. So, let me also say at this point, don't interpret my zeal for this topic as manipulation. I've just found it a wonderful privilege to use finances to shape the course of history. Well, that's a grandiose statement. Yes, it is. But when you meet someone's need, or you're able to bless someone, out of the abundance that God has poured into you, it changes the course of history for them. And I can humbly say today that we have been the recipients of the generosity of, of many people in this congregation. And I can humbly say to you this morning too that it's changed the course of our history. And for that we are profoundly grateful. only one of them here today, but I get tremendous joy in giving gifts to my children. I don't think any of my grandchildren are here this morning. I get an immense pleasure out of giving gifts to my kids and my grandkids. How many know my father in heaven is a better dad than I am? <laughs> well, you didn't have to agree so enthusiastically. <laughs> so I can take from that how much more pleasure does he derive from giving gifts to his children and blessing us in a way that's beyond our imagination. So you know where we're headed and to keep me on track, we're going to look at tithes, offerings, bring a distinction between the two and bring some encouragement to close it out at no extra charge. So that's the introduction over. Who's still with me? Good, no one's left the building and I think there's only two asleep So, so far we're we're good The tithe is mentioned first in Genesis 14, 20 Where Abraham gives a tithe of all he had to Melchizedek Some of you will know the story Therefore it was in place before the law Before the law, before Moses went up on the mountain Yes? Yes. We read in Leviticus Whose favourite book is Leviticus? (laughs) Nobody, good Chapter 27 verse 30 All the tithe Everybody say all 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 the tithe of the land Whether of the seed of the land Or the fruit of the tree Is the Lord's It belongs to Him It's holy to Him And this is I believe a key principle to understand The tithe belongs to the Lord It's not ours It's holy It belongs to Him In other words We don't pay our tithes. I've heard it said in churches sometimes, it's time to pay our tithes. Well, we don't pay our tithes like we pay our electricity bill. That's a bill. This is his. It's very different. The bill is something they give you because you've used something of theirs. The tithe is his and it belongs to him. And it's holy. It's really a decision of lordship. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So does he need our money? Well, of course not. Of course not. His streets are paved with gold. But when we use our finance for kingdom purpose, it allows us to not only bless other people, it reveals the condition of our heart. But more importantly, it releases his provision and his protection over our finances, as we will see. Deuteronomy 14:22. You shall truly tithe on the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. Another key word here is increase. The Bible speaks about bringing the first fruits, not the scraps, not the leftovers, not the dregs. How many of you were here uh, when the visiting speaker was here last in uh, this one? In October, November last year when I preached on the new default. Five of you. Okay. I shared a story there about a carpenter who came and did work for us. And his words to me, and I'm going to give you the the Reader's Digest version were, came with a long face one day and I said, what's wrong? And he said, my business has dried up. And I said, how's that? Do you know what's what's the cause? He said, yeah, I know what the cause of it is. He said, we stopped tithing. We couldn't afford to. You couldn't afford to. He said, no, we couldn't. How's that working out for you? He said, well, I've, we've got no work. I've got no work. He came back a week later to do some more work for us and he said uh, he had a different countenance, a different disposition. I said, Darrell, you look different today. He said, yeah, we repented, of can't afford to ties. We've put things back in place and I've got more work than I can poke a stick at. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of your increase. There's that word again. Why? Well, verse 10 has the answer. So your barns will be filled with plenty. Bear in mind the context in which it's it's spoken. They had barns in those days. Some of you may have barns because you live on farms today, but most of us don't have barns. So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow, overflow, dare I say it again, overflow with new wine. Again, with over 2,300 verses on this topic, we could spend days looking at this. But come with me, Mr Screen Man, to Malachi, which is a book about lordship. Read it for yourself. We don't have time to do a study on the whole book this morning. Malachi 3 verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. And then verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say. That little phrase, but you say, is mentioned 36 times in the book of Malachi. 36 times. In other words, he's saying, here's something, here's a principle, but you say. Here's another principle, but you say. 36 times. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Bring all, you've got to work with me this morning, everybody say all. All. Oh, you're a good crowd this morning. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Say storehouse. storehouse. That there may be food in my house and try me now in this. If you like, thereby put me to the test. In this translation, in the ESV, thereby put me to the test. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing that you cannot contain it. There would not be enough room to receive it. The ESV says there will be no more need. Who would love to be in a place of no more need? Put two hands up if you want to. And he goes on to say, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you, In the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I know, again, from first hand experience, that this scripture has been used to say, well, you give to God and you'll get blessed. You'll get the mortgage paid off and you'll have three cars in the garage and the lap pool in the backyard. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. It's not what's said. That's wrong. It's manipulation and it should be avoided like the plague. However, again, if we never speak on this topic, because others have misused it, we create an error. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. Knowledge can be uh, used I- I- in a sense of wisdom also and discernment. So we, we actually, as preachers, cut people off from understanding what the kingdom is all about if we never speak on certain topics. It could be money, money it could be sex, it could be anything that are taboo sub- subjects in church. We actually cut the congregation off from learning the truth. Now, I know you can go and read it yourself, but my people are destroyed like I was for 31 years. Half my life I never knew about tithing and giving. It was a gold coin donation at the door. Well, that's okay for a pleasant Sunday afternoon, a PSA as we used to have them in the Methodist Church. You'd come and someone would play the organ or play hymns, and they were lovely. But to get in, you gave a gold coin donation. God's not a gold coin donation God. Who would agree with me this morning that everything we have comes from the Lord? Yeah, do we have any self-made men or women here this morning? Okay, I want, to catch, I want you to catch this today. When we return that which belongs to the Lord, we have 90% of our income left over for us to do what, that which we feel led to do. But here's the kicker. Here's the, here's the blessing in it devourer free and I want to put to you this morning, you haven't got to be good at maths, I want to put to you this morning that 90% devourer free is always going to be a lot more than 100% with a a lurking devourer. Mm. Did you get that? 90% devourer free is always going to be bigger and better than 100% with a lurking devourer and the devourer can look like all sorts of things He doesn't have to have a pitchfork and red horns. Sometimes he looks like an ex-employer, as this story will illustrate. We came to Canberra uh, Why am I looking at my watch? 20 years ago. It doesn't have a date on here, but it's 2020. We came to Canberra 20 years ago. And uh, I'd left a job in manufacturing, for those who are new and don't know. And uh, when I was in industry, I had one of those gold American Express cards and all my business expenses went on the American Express card. The only trouble was, when I left that company, I hadn't quite received my statement. You with me? So we arrive in Canberra and the statement lobs in. $1,100. I'd paid for some flights for my salespeople to go on my card. Well, the business card. So I sent a little email to my ex-employer in Sydney and said, please find attached my American Express card. I'll be happy to receive payment of this uh, at your earliest convenience." And I got an email back and I won't tell you what it said, but basically, not paying it. Now, just let me set the scene. When we came to Canberra, um, when I left the real job and came to Canberra, uh, my salary was about a third of what I'd been earning there. We had four kids in private school and a company car that we brought with us because the lease was in my name. With an $1,133 a month payment, 20 years ago, a lot of money, and now another $1,100 bill that we didn't have the money to pay. And the more I told about this um, injustice, how dare he? The more I told, the more bitter I became. The the story was. Somewhat enlarged, the figure stayed the same, but it was perhaps embellished a little bit until the Holy Spirit said, let go and just forget about it. But hang on, it's 11, (laughs) that's a car payment. How can I let it go? And he just said, let it go. Because I'd I'd drafted a couple of emails to go back to Sydney that fortunately I never sent. And I hit the delete button and I just never, I just let it go. And not long after that, I had a call. We were living in... No, we were living in Hughes. In a tent in Peter's backyard for 17 weeks. How many remember that? I guess. With a a dog chomping a bone at night, you know, couldn't sleep. You know. 17 weeks and they said, you'll freeze to death out there. And the the temperature went sub-zero the day we moved into our house. In May, 17th of May. Unheard of. Anyway... Where was I? In the tent, that's right. We're living in a tent in Hughes. The church is at Fishwick and the school is at Waniasa. We had one car. So about, in the scheme of things, five minutes after I let that bill go, that debt go, someone rang me and said, ''You'll need a a second car. Tell me about it. I've got one that I can't afford, that was a people mover because we had an army of kids that had to be moved to school. And how are we going to meet the payments?'' Etc. and so on. Uh, you'll need a second car. I want to take you car shopping. And I thought, well, that's great, but I don't have no money. <laughs> so we went car shopping with this person and found a, a lovely second-hand white Camry. Remember that car? It survived teaching four kids to drive. <laughs> one, one of the kids, who shall remain nameless, said to me on one of those driving lessons, Dad, what's that smell? And I said, well, that's just the clutch, because we've done a burnout <laughs> half the length of Stirling car park. That car, that car survived, you know, two hundred and I don't know how many thousand kilometres and all sorts of treatment. But as we went car shopping, this person paid cash for the car, signed the rego papers and gave them to me. And in that year alone, I could tell you story after story, in that year alone we received over $11,000 worth of gifts and blessings out of the blue. Because the Lord said, forgive the debt. As we return what belongs to God, we release the blessing over the remaining 90%. It's the only place, the only place in Scripture where he says, put me to the test. Clint Eastwood would put it this way, go ahead, make my day. (laughs) Well, you don't know that... I can hear some of you thinking, because I've been there. You don't know the challenges I'm facing. Well, let me tell you again humbly, but hear my heart, I could tell you story after story of financial challenges that we have faced, including not knowing on many occasions where our next meal would come from. And that's pretty tough when you've got four kids who are saying, what are we having for dinner?" pretty tough when you've got a son who you've taken to cricket on Saturday morning who said, Dad, can we go and get a drink after cricket? And I say, no, mate, I've got no money. And he said, well, just go to that machine up at the... You put your card in it and money comes out. And as a seven or eight-year-old or whatever, I had to say to him that you can only get out if there's something in there, week after week. I've shared here previously how we nearly lost absolutely everything a few years ago through no fault of our own. Everything. But notwithstanding, I can testify also because we've tithed all our married life. Each and every one of those challenges has been met and exceeded in ways that have just blown our gaskets. Just unbelievably. And everyone has been exceeded by a God who supplied, has supplied and will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many know you never know if you really believe a scripture until you have to live it? I used to to preach that one. And I believed it, but I didn't really know I believed it until I had to live it. And we've lived it. We've lived by faith for 20 years. And God's met all our needs in ways that just astound us. We reached a point of getting to the place of saying, well, you don't have to prove your faithfulness to us anymore. What we've got to prove is our ability to walk in that faithfulness. Simply trusting every day, we used to sin, Trusting, trusting along life's way. The Bible doesn't say we'll be challenge free, but the devourer will be rebuked. And God's got it covered. See, tithing's not something we have to do. It's a joy and a privilege. And at the end of the day, we're simply returning to him that which is his anyway. For Martin and Roz, tithing is SOP. Standard operating procedure. We get a blessing. Doesn't matter whether it's $50 or $5,000. The tithe, we do it this way now. Transfer done. I'm not saying that with pride or arrogance or look at me. I'm saying that's just what we do. Because that's what we do. And that's what we've always done. How many of you are encouraged or inspired by a testimony of healing? Okay. How many of you are encouraged or inspired by the testimony of a financial miracle? should be the same number at least. I don't want any of this to be about me. But again, if God can do it for me and this lovely lady, he can do it for all of us. In a previous church, we were part of a group called 100 Kingdom Men, which was birthed out of a a men's retreat. And the centurion, the, the, the concept of a centurion, you know, he was in charge of 100 men. And it was birthed on a Saturday, and I can almost still almost still see and hear the message but these were people who really believed that God had called them to finance the work of the kingdom not everybody's called to do that but we really felt because we're in business and felt that God was calling us to to be a part of this, we were to be a part of it so there was breakfast on Saturday mornings you know once a month or what have you and I've sat there with people standing here saying well you know I gave, and I've just signed this $25 million contract, and I've got, you know, and it, there was no manipulation, it was just people sharing testimony. But I got to a point with attitude, I'm just sharing my heart here, where if I heard another story like that, I wanted to give someone the Liverpool kiss, you know? Because <laughs> it had never happened to me until one day. Until one day, we received a check in the mail. Until one day, we received a little card after church one morning and with, with a cheque in it. Here's a contribution to your daughter's wedding that had us weeping. We were in a... Peter, and Peter's not here, but he and Ros and I and a few others were at a conference in Brisbane or Sunshine Coast or somewhere in Queensland in 2008. It was March of... Two th- probably February of 2008. And without going into all of that, the speaker shared a a, a story about um, seed. You know, here's a a really big principle for you. (laughs) This is really profound. If you want more tomatoes, plant more seeds. If you want more pumpkins, plant more pumpkin seeds. How about that? I know you've got to prune, you know, fruit trees and what have you and all of that. But if you want more fruit, you've got to plant more seed. And this guy had a whole message on seed. And he, he shared how he he every time he sowed seed, he would reap fruit. Isn't that surprising? The Bible says back in Genesis that seed time and harvest will not end until the Lord returns. So it's a, a universal principle. It's not Old Testament. It's universal. Are you with me? So I just felt to start a... a a, a spreadsheet on my computer called The $100 Seed File. And so I've been keeping that spreadsheet, because that's me, um, since March 2008. So every time we sow seed, because sometimes the Lord will prompt you to just sow some seed, it might be buy a fridge for somebody, or it might be pay for someone's groceries in Aldi, Whatever it is. If he prompts you to, to, to sow seed, I've just recorded the amount. It might be $50, it might be whatever. Are you with me? That's the left column. And then when we, when we have fruit coming, there's a right-hand column. And every time there's a fruit, there's another entry in the left-hand column because there's a tithe on the fruit. See, we just recycle money. We're not money launderers, but we recycle (laughs) money. Because it's not ours, it's his. So the column down here, since March 2008, living by faith, I looked at it yesterday. Round figures, it's $50,000 since March 2008. The figure in the right-hand column is nearly six times that. Do the math. How many know that's a good harvest from some seed? We had an ILSOM, an uh, International Leader School of Ministry, here oh, a long time ago. Who were here for that school? place was packed. There was 250 people here. And on, the I think, the last or the penultimate day, they, they took up an offering... Uh, in order to run these schools in third world countries where people couldn't afford to come and pay as we had paid to attend. And uh, I think Ros and I were sitting here. We were? Those seats, where Adam is. and, And as is our practice, when the call went out, I leaned over to her and said, what do you think we should give? And she said, well... I think we should give this. And I said, that's amazing, that's the same number I had. It was $500. Right? That's not, there's nothing attached to that, it's just what it is. So we wrote out that it was a credit card slip. We, I didn't have $500 cash on me at the time. Uh, don't carry cash, because I've had three teenage daughters, so <laughs> I learnt that lesson. Daddy, got any money? No, I haven't. So I wrote the credit card thing here, Walk, I said to Ros, look, I've got to pay a visit. Uh, you know, it was coming to the end of the session. I've got to pay a visit. You put it in the thing. I walked up here and there was a lady, I won't point to anybody, there was a lady sitting in the second or third back row and as I walked past she said, oh, excuse me, could I have the, uh, the, the bank detail? Or, no, who do I make out a check for the healing rooms? Well, you make it out to Capital Healing Rooms. Oh, okay, thank you. And I kept going. Went and did what I had to do, came back in, and she handed me a cheque for $500. The ink wasn't dry here. Now, we don't get that that went to the healing rooms, are you with me? But before the ink was dry here, sorry, it was returned here. Yes, to the healing rooms, but at that point, the healing rooms needed $500. Are you getting the principle here? When you honour the Lord with your first fruits, when you give offerings over and above, He has a way of just working it all out and multiplying it. And I think it's incredibly clever. Look at the time. Relevant magazine published an interesting report in 2013 and again in 2016, which investigated the worldwide church and reached this conclusion and I quote 10 to 25 percent of the church tithe consistently. That means that 8 to 10 born again Christians don't tithe consistently. Yes? So, bottom line is whether we like it or not, if we fail to return. To him that which is his, he won't have sovereignty over our finances. I'll rebuke the devourer on your behalf. This study also showed that if the church were to fully tithe, there would be an extra $165 billion for kingdom purposes. Global impact would be phenomenal. Interesting, isn't it? This this isn't um, welfare from the government. This is from God's people. This is from the church worldwide. It was calculated, and I'm just sharing from this report, it was calculated that 25 billion annually could relieve global hunger and starvation and death from preventable diseases in just five years. 12 billion could eliminate illiteracy, it's hard to say that quickly, in five years. 15 billion could solve all the world's water and sanitary problems, specifically where people live on less than a dollar a day. And we've been to some of those places where people live on less than a dollar a day. And it's pretty terrible. A billion dollars could fund all overseas missions work, leaving 100 billion left over to expand the purposes of God on the planet. Is it any wonder the devourer works so hard to plunder and limit our finances? Is it any wonder that he has preachers not preaching on this because, oh, I might offend somebody? Well, I'm a visiting speaker this morning, for all intents and purposes. So if you're offended, my email address is... Andrew at (laughs) visioncf.asm.au Is it any wonder the enemy, the devourer, roams around seeking... Not how he can hit, hit us with sickness or other things, which he does. I understand that. But if he can plunder our finances, if he can keep the church with a Gestetner second-hand, used teabag mentality, then he's got the victory. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to give him the victory in that area. Well, I don't believe in tithing. It's Old Testament. Ah, wrong answer. Yes. Ten Commandments, Old Testament. Yes? yes? Do you still see them as valid? Yes. yes? Good. You're still with me. Oh, it's all about grace. Well, let me say to you this morning, grace sets a higher standard yes. than the Old Testament Ten Commandments Old Testament says don't murder New Testament grace says don't look lustfully at a woman Which is easier, do you think? Hmm. Old Testament says don't covet your neighbour's possessions New Testament says if someone takes your coat, give them your wardrobe also If they slap you up one side of the face, turn the other cheek If your enemy, Romans says, if your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink Feed him if he's hungry, which is easier? At the risk of repetition but for completeness, it was before the law, it was required during the law, and it's here after the law. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus speaking, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! In didn't mince his words, did he? Hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin or cumin, however you say it, that, that spice And have neglected the weightier matters of the law Justice, mercy Murth, Mercy and faithfulness These you ought to have done Without neglecting the others That word there, ought In the original language Is an imperative It's not a, not a suggestion He's not saying Well, you really should have done that He's saying you must do it Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus And said You know, how do I enter the kingdom? And Jesus said Well, you must be born again Remember the story? Yeah, yeah. You must, in other words, there's no other way. You must be born again. It's the same word. Look it up. You ought. You must. So Jesus made it really clear. Well, do you tithe on the gross or the net? Well, simply, first fruit is just that. In other words, do taxes come first or after God? None of us like taxes, but amazing how we like roads to drive on, hospitals to go to when we're really sick. Let's not be a people who look for the lowest pass mark to just Uh, appease our conscience or get us into the kingdom. Let's be a people who give God our best and watch him return it with interest. Dare I say, his interest rates are out of this world. God gave us the very best in sending Jesus to earth. What then should our response be, be to this amazing gift? Let's choose to give him our very best in tithes and offerings. Malachi makes this distinction clear. Tithes and offerings. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's to be brought into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's his church. It's this place. That's where the tithe belongs. And let me say to you that if we redirect all our tithes into the building fund, we will have a wonderfully fitted out building, but there won't be any body preaching here on a Sunday morning because the pastors won't have salaries paid. Yes. The lights won't be on because we won't be able to pay the electricity. We won't have any phones and all of the stuff that you and I take for granted coming here on a Sunday just won't be there because the, sto- the tithes are for the storehouse. It says there in Malachi, so what? So there may be, may be food in my house. Yes. Offerings are over and above the tithes. The building fund is an offering over and above the tithes. Gone very quiet, but we'll press on anyway. Why do we need the blessing of which Malachi speaks? Why do we need this abundant provision? I've touched on it before. To the extent that there is no need, well, firstly, so there's food in the house and we can resource the needs that arise. Secondly, so we can have an abundance for every good work. How often have you come across a need or a crisis uh, of any, any shape or form and not being able to do something about it because not just because you don't carry cash, but there's simply no money in the machine. I've been there and it's not a a real good place when you see a single mum who needs new tyres on a car or a new alternator or a new gearbox and you can't do anything about it because you don't have anything. But I want to say to you that when we give the Lord that which is his, he pours out such a blessing that, yes, for us, we're blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed to have a storehouse and... You know, live in luxury, and there's nothing wrong if you live in luxury. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is, if we give that to the Lord that which is His, He will pour out His blessing, so that we can see a need and say, "I can, I can, I've got this, I've got this." Ever gone to a restaurant? This all Ever gone to a restaurant and seen someone over there who is clearly? probably doing it tough and gone up to, the, to pay your bill and said, oh, I'll, I'll pay table 34 and pay uh, table 16 as well. Do you know that man? No, I don't. Ever done that? Messes with the checkout, the, the messes with airhead. In Sydney, you know, we, we used to have this, it wasn't a game, it was just fun. It wasn't a game. But the tollways in Sydney, before they had e-tags, sometimes you just drive through and say, I'm paying for the guy behind. It's five bucks, you know, who cares? But give him ten dollars and say, and the guy'd pull up and then they'd wave him through and then he'd come up and give you a strange look. <laughs> it used to be fun, you know. Two Corinthians, you can't do it anymore, everything's electronic. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Two Corinthians 9, 7 says this Not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you having. All sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. We began, you think we've been away, and we have, but we began this year with a wake-up call to be ready. See, I listened to the podcast. <laughs> Part of being ready, I believe, is to be, have our finances in order so that we can not only resource of the work of the kingdom in this place, but see it expand. We've been encouraged to make every effort. See, I was listening to yours as well, which reminds me, did you tithe on the windfall from the cricket challenge? (laughs) He's saying probably, you taught me well. It was double or nothing, wasn't it? and be reminded to be doers of the word not just hearers of the word we've been also reminded to humble ourselves before the lord so i believe this message flows on from those previously brought to us already in 2020 it's a call to action for the challenge set before us let's wake up be ready and make every effort to humble ourselves and be intentional intentional about our finances in 2020 the title of my message, because somebody will want to record it so they can put it up on the thing, is who's up for the test? So who's up for the test this morning? Half a dozen, good. Are you ready to step up and resource that work right here in Fishwick? Let's bring this to a close, close with some encouragement and a challenge to us all. In relation to the building project uh, in which we find ourselves, praise God. Some may be able to give $5. Some may be able to give $50,000. We've had some remarkable gifts in. And for that, we are rejoicing, are we not? Yes, absolutely. See, it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. And some of us may have to postpone some of the things that we were going to do in order to resource this work right now. It's not about me telling you what to do or twisting your arm. It's saying, Holy Spirit, what would you have us do? because he's the one who can show you. We then all have ownership of this project and the church building, and we can say, we did this. Let me me just say in finishing, because I am, let me say from first-hand experience on more than one occasion, there is something profoundly wonderful about walking into the new building on the first day and seeing it painted and decorated and hearing the worship band strike up. With a sense of ownership, we did this. Yes, God supplied all the need, but see, if it just comes in and we don't have a part in it, there's no ownership. It's not ours. We can come and go as we please. But when we have contributed to this, with our offerings and with our sacrifice, there is something profoundly wonderful that I cannot even put into words this morning. Because we've experienced it and it is amazing. It is amazing. We get to co-labor with him to see his purposes fulfilled. And it's fantastic. We need a place to call home and to expand the work of the kingdom in this city. God says, put me to the test in tithes and offerings. See that I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will have no more need. My heart's desire is we would be a people who have an abundance for every good Work simply because we've put the Lord first, returned to him that which is His, and made a choice to be cheerful givers, not out of control or manipulation, but out of hearts totally surrendered to him. see we don't have to apologize for preaching kingdom principles, but I want to say this, and there's nothing you know, there's nothing attached to it I was I was uh, I use the word convicted because he never condemns, but he just convicted me early one morning last week. Because I've said it. He convicted me about saying things like, if you've come prepared to give your tithes and offerings, those exact words, because I've said those words. Almost like it's a, an afterthought or a, an add-on to the worship. No, it's very much part of what we do. It's very much part. It's not a, a ritualistic, oh, well, we better take up the offering. No. It's very much part of our worship because it reveals our heart. So I want to apologise to you as a congregation, for if I've, and I have, for saying, if you've... It's all, you, know, you hear my heart in this? It's like... He said, you don't have to say that in, a, in an apologetic way. Like, sorry to offend you, but can you take out your tithes and offerings? No, no, no. Let's be joyful about bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse and our offerings so that there would be enough for every good work. Is that okay? Who's learnt something today? Who's inspired and encouraged? My task is done. Over to you, Andrew.
0: Thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Would you stand? And before Martin heads off, I might just get him to pray for us as well. But you know, I, I'm prayerful that there has been something stirred in your hearts. For me, if I'm honest, it, it is a challenge, this area. It's so easy to say, Lord, here's my life, take everything, take my hopes and dreams, just don't touch the wallet, you know? I think it was Martin Luther who said the hardest part of a man to convert is his wallet. And there can be that tendency, but, you know, we want to be a people wholehearted. We want to be a people where it's all about him, and that includes everything. But I do feel like this is an important area. So would you pray for us as we conclude in this area? Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: that's okay. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are our provider. We thank you that you, you say to us, you encourage us. To put you to the test, and we want to be people not who test God, but just do what your word says and put you to the test, that we would be diligent with tithes and offerings. We would be a generous people who give over and above, and that our wallets would be truly converted so that your kingdom can come on this earth more and more, particularly in this place that we call home. And Father, I want to pray for anybody here this morning who needs a financial miracle, who needs a breakthrough. And I pray, Father, that your blessing would be poured out on them in, a, in such a way that they would have no more need. Father, we, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful you guide and direct us and bring the wisdom of heaven to us. So as we go into this week, into this year, may we be a generous people. who are prepared to step up to the challenge, not just with the building project, but that we would see an abundance for every good work. For the glory of your name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we get the prayer team up here?
0: I know it's been warm this morning. Thank you.